There is no name like the name of Jesus. There's no greater name, no sweeter name, no precious name, no more powerful name than the name of Jesus. And we're here today to lift him up and honor him above all things. Let him have his way in our hearts and in our minds. Well, we've been working through and walking through a series called Word Warnings. We've been talking about the words in which we speak and how, as we've looked at these different sermons, Taming the Tongue, Guarding the Gate, all those things as we moved along those past six or seven weeks or so, the, the running thread between underneath each one of them has been this idea that, that there's an indicator uh, in the words in which we speak in our heart. And so that, I thought that it would be uh, good to sum up the whole series today with this message, Indicators from the Inside. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It is an indicator. How we speak is an indicator of what is on the inside. And so as we come to this, this last series, uh, this, this message in this series today, we're looking at the indicators on the inside, and we're really going to look at the idea of our heart being a treasury, holding a treasure. And so as we think about that, thinking about what are some of the treasures that you have in your home, some things that you treasure uh, in your home. You know, for some people that may be a china that's been passed down for generations uh, from mother, to, from grandmother to mother to daughter, what have you. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's some diamond that you have, you know, set in some case somewhere that you uh, are fascinated by. Maybe it is, uh, maybe it's not in the case, maybe it's on your finger. I mean, that could be the case as well. Maybe that's your treasure. Maybe, the, maybe it's some baseball cards you collected as a kid, and these are important to you. And so this is the treasure that you really like. And maybe it's an antique or some old pictures, maybe it's some wedding pictures. That, and you think about uh, if there were to be a fire in your home, what would be the first thing you'd gather to, to bring out? Those are the things that you would treasure, not counting your kids. We know you're going to... We know you're going to get your kids, all right? I'm talking about those tangible things like that. Well, as I was thinking about this treasure in our homes, I couldn't help but to think about our kids, and, and all of them have had a treasure. Uh, you know, I think Christopher had a little pillow that he really liked, and uh, they each had a blanket. But Heather, I was reminded of the story when Heather was a little bitty. She had a, a teddy bear. Uh, we called him Brown Bear. And Brown Bear went with us everywhere. And Brown Bear went with her to get her vaccinations, I believe. He went on vacation whenever she was sick. You know, poor Brown Bear ended up in the washing machine more than once and uh, took a tumble and what have you. But he, he was with us all the time. It, that Brown Bear was Heather's treasure. And one time we went on vacation. I forget where it was. Angie and I talked about this this week. Uh, but we remember that we left him behind uh, at the hotel where we had been. And about halfway home, it became apparent that Brown Bear was no longer with us. And it was a sad ride all the way home. Uh, But uh, fortunately, we called back to the hotel, and they had kept it, and they mailed Brown Bear to us. And it was a glorious event when Brown Bear came in the mail that day. It was Heather's treasure. And so some of you may have have had treasures throughout your lifetime as well. But here we're thinking about treasures, and really the treasures that we have are indicators, and they're pretty good indicators about who we are. Um, and about, when we think about these treasures and think about the treasures we have in our home, what we really want to deal with here is the treasure of your heart. What is the treasure in the treasury of your heart? What's the most important thing to you? What is it that you protect the most diligently, that you hold tight What is the treasury, what is in the treasury of your heart? Because these really do, these are the indicators that reveal who we are. Well, how do they do that, Pastor? Well, we've been talking about this for some time. What's in our heart overflows, right? What's in the heart is what overflows in various ways, but especially as we've talked about these past few weeks, especially through our words. And so today we want to look at a couple of passages of Scripture and look at what's in the treasury of our hearts and just see what that means, okay? And so we're going to look at Matthew chapter 12. We're going to look at verses 33 through 37, which is right smack in the middle of that chapter. And then we're going to read chapter 15, verses 1 through 20, and look at uh, what Jesus is saying in both of these as he deals with the Pharisees. So 
and honor and reverence to the Word of God, if you'd please stand as I read this pas- these passages to you uh, this morning. And I'll read for us beginning in 1233. Jesus says, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. And skip over to chapter 15, just a few pages over. Verses 1 through 20 says, Then the scribes and the Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus, saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. He answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father and mother, let him be put to death. But you say, Whoever says to his father and mother, Whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God, then he need not honor his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. Hypocrites! Well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, The people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And when he would called the multitude to himself, he said to them, Hear and understand, not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. Then his disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. If the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. And then Peter answered and said to him, Explain this parable to us. And Jesus said, Are you also still without understanding? Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts and murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. And these are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. So let's pray together. Father, we are grateful for our time together this morning. We thank you for the first hour, uh, for the worship time then, for those who are in Sunday school during that hour, for those who are in Sunday school this hour, and, and for us who are in here. And Lord, we're just believing with all of our heart that you're at work in our hearts and lives. And Lord, that you would take the Word of God by the Spirit of God and move within each one of us to help us to hear very clearly what we need to hear and understand about our hearts, that there are indicators that's on the inside of us, things that the world sees, things that we need to see, things certainly that you see. Lord, I pray that you would help us to see very clearly what those are. And I pray, Lord, that we'd be open and receptive and vulnerable to what your Spirit is doing in our hearts to walk away from here today with changed hearts, hearts that look more like you and sound more like you. And so, Lord, I am nothing but your instrument. Hide me behind the cross. Let me be your servant, Lord, here. And I pray, Lord, now that the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, you see in the bulletin, there is an outline there, and we're going to look here at uh, some of these here in just a second. But as we look at, at both of these passages of Scripture, in chapter 12 as well as in chapter 15, we find that Jesus, is. if you back up in chapter 12 a little bit, you find that he's addressing the Pharisees, and you know, Jesus just couldn't catch a break from those religious leaders, those pesky old Pharisees, Amen always giving him a hard time. They were consistently against him. And in chapter 12, they had accused him of having a demon before we come to this passage we're looking at here. And then now in chapter 15, they complained that his disciples are are not following their traditions or their rituals. But back in chapter 12, Jesus had healed a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute. 
And they had accused him, these Pharisees had accused Jesus of having a demon himself. Jesus refutes that by saying certain things, one of which he says, basically, if I had a demon in me, why would I want to cast out a demon? And then later he carries that over into and and says that uh, uh, he wanted to illustrate, and he says that because he wanted to illustrate that we can't be divided against who we are. But also later he says, he who is not with me is against me. And then a little bit when we come back to our passage here today, he says we're either, we either bear good fruit or bad fruit based on the tree, whether it's good or bad. We can't be divided against who we are. We are either on the, the, bearing the good fruit or we're bearing the bad fruit. So and since they were rejecting Jesus by the words that they were using, he tells them that that's an indicator, it's an indication of what was in their hearts. And if you look at verses 33 and 34, he, he very clearly says, brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man, now watch this, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, but friends, we need to understand this morning that God's Word still applies to us today. Amen? He still speaks to us through His Word, and we need to understand what He's telling us here. As He is speaking to the Pharisees, He still speaks to people today through His Word. And so we have to ask the question, what then is in the treasury of your heart? What is the overflow of your life from that treasury? What are the words and what you're speaking and how are you speaking those words? What are your actions? Well, you see on your, up here with me today, I have some, uh, an old box and a new box, or at least a ratty old looking box and one that looks pretty sweet, all right? Just entertain me by saying that, Okay. But I assure you that this is not the price is right. And I'm going to say, come on down as we look at these boxes here in just a few minutes. But I want to think about these two boxes as the treasure boxes. And out of this treasure, this treasure box or this treasury here is going to be the evil heart. It's the heart of the Pharisee. And we'll look at what that contains and what's the treasure in that treasury. This is the good box. It's the good treasury. It's the treasury uh, that we as believers supposed, are supposed to have, and what's in that treasury, and what's coming out of that treasury as well. So we're going to investigate what's in these treasuries of the hearts of the Pharisee, and also what's in the true heart of the believer, and then we'll ask, which one are you most like? Amen? Which one are you most like? As we look at these two treasuries and the treasure that's in each one. So the first thing we see as we look at the outline, we see anchored... Or abandoned, and I'm going to flesh those out with the subpoints. Anchored or abandoned, as we think about the two different treasuries, the two different types of treasure that's in the treasury of our heart. And the first thing is we're going to look at is the Pharisee heart, the evil heart that Jesus addresses here, and we find here that these are anchored to their ways. The Pharisees, out of the treasury of their heart, they are anchored to their ways. And as we have learned from chapter 12, and we see clearly in chapter 15, the Pharisees are anchored more to their ways, and they're anchored more to their traditions than they are to the Lord. Now, in this chapter, we dealt with this same passage in the book of Mark a year ago, uh, so I'm not going to dig into it too much here. But what we do want to see is that the Pharisees here, who were from Jerusalem, they come to Jesus to complain that his disciples are not following the tradition of the elders. And, ha- and this tradition that they're talking about here is in how they were washing their hands. Now, this was not about cleansing the hands before eating, but rather it was a purification ritual 
that was taking place that the, the elder said, this is what we must do, but that the disciples were not doing. But Jesus takes the opportunity and he points out their hypocrisy and he tells them in the latter part of verse 6, these words, he says, thus, you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. And so as we think about the Pharisees' treasury and what's in the treasure treasury of their heart, what the treasure is of their heart, we find that in the evil heart, in their evil heart, it was their tradition. The treasure of their heart was their ways, their tradition, their rituals. Their ways had become more important. Listen, their ways, what they wanted to do, had become more important than God's Word. They were anchored to their ways They were anchored to their traditions. They were anchored to their rituals. They were anchored to their religion. That's what was in the treasury of their heart, their traditions, their ways, their rituals. They weren't finding true satisfaction. They weren't finding their satisfaction in the Lord. Rather, they were finding and seeking their satisfaction in their tradition. John Piper says these words. He says, sin is what you do when your heart is not satisfied with God. Sin is what you do when your heart is not satisfied with God. The sin of the Pharisees here was in placing these things, their ways, over the Lord as their treasure. They were seeking to find satisfaction, and they were trying to find that satisfaction in their tradition and in their ways. And indeed, they were fooling themselves into thinking that they were okay with God as long as they were following all of these things that they needed to do, all of these traditions, all of these rules, all these rituals, all of these feasts. And these were external things and what they thought were making them right in the sight of God. And so these things, their traditions, their rituals, that, which are all just dead things, or where they placed their treasure. That had become the treasure of the heart. Those old Pharisees. Their rituals. Their traditions. Their religion. Have mercy. Right? Ah, uh, but before we get all pious and proud. Let's just think about this for a minute. Amen? How often do we make our traditions, and our ways, our treasure. Where are we seeking to find our satisfaction? What is it that we protect most diligently in our treasury? What are you protecting most diligently in your treasury? Is it my tradition? Is it my ritual? Is it my religion? Is it my way? Is it my style? Is it my preference? Is it my comfort? Is it my parking spot? Uh Uh-oh. Is it my pew? Uh Uh-oh. Is it my vacation? Is it my time? Is it my life? This is what's most important to me. I'm holding it close to the chest. This is where I'm placing my treasure. It's all about me. What I do, what I like, these ways so that I can make sure that I feel good about life itself. That's where the Pharisees were with an evil heart. But friends, listen. Isn't it an evil heart when our ways take precedence over Jesus? Amen? It is an evil heart when our ways are taking precedence over Jesus. And so that's what we see here in the Pharisees in the evil heart is that they were placing their ways as the treasure of their heart instead of Jesus. And so we find that they were anchored to their ways. The second part of that, the letter B under this, is abandoned. And so if the evil heart is being anchored to our tradition and anchored to our ways and anchored to me, myself, and my life and my preferences... We find that the good heart, the good treasure, is being abandoned to Christ. Abandoning all for Christ. 
You see, Jesus is consistently trying to teach the Pharisees something here where they're looking at their ways, their religion, their rituals, their traditions. Jesus is trying to turn their attention to understand that it's all about the heart and that the treasure of the heart is not the tradition or our ways, but the true treasure is the relationship with God through himself, through Jesus Christ. Jesus and, listen, Jesus and his kingdom, that is the true treasure of the heart. Jesus and his kingdom. You know, we find that in Matthew 13, sandwiched between Matthew 12, where he's dealing with the Pharisees, trying to get them straight about the heart, and 15 here, showing them things about the indicators of the heart. In chapter 13, in verses 44 and following, we see that Jesus says this as he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that land. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had, and he bought it. So the, the story is that the man goes to a field, and he finds something that, that is a treasure, a precious treasure to him in the field. And so he wants it. He needs to have it. And so what he does is he goes back, and he sells everything. He sells all his belongings. He sells everything in his house. He takes care he, he, Puts a house up for sale. He sells all. He gets rid of everything so that he can have enough to come and buy this piece of land where this treasure is. The second part of that is that this person has found a beautiful pearl. And when they found this pearl of great price, they went and they sold everything. They abandoned everything so that they could buy, have enough to buy this treasure, to have this treasure. Friends, listen. Jesus and his kingdom is the treasure worth having. Amen? Jesus and his kingdom is the most precious jewel. Listen, friends, nothing and no one is more valuable than Jesus Christ. And we are to abandon all for Jesus Christ. It's not about our comfort. It's not about our preferences. It's not about our ways. It's not about our life. Rather, it's all about Jesus being in our heart, being the Lord of our lives. Amen? That's where we're to be. That's the believer's heart. That's the good heart that we're looking for in us as believers. We're to abandon all to follow Christ. Well, pastor, tell me, just why do I want Jesus to be the treasure of my heart? Why would I want Jesus to be the treasure of my heart? I mean, I've got all this stuff that I really like hanging out with. I like my boat, and I like my my baseball cards, and I like my diamonds, and I like the things of this world, and I like my yard, and I, I like my house. I, I just want to, those things that I want to treasure. Why should Jesus be the treasure of my heart? Well, it's because of who he is and what he's done. Amen? Jesus is to be the treasure of my heart, and I want him to be the treasure of my heart because of who he is and what he's done. Well, what's he done? Well, who is he? Well, he's the promised Messiah. He's the, the Son of God. He's God in the flesh. He's the sinless Son of God who went to the cross for me and rose again bodily from the grave. This Jesus, he, well, he paid my penalty of death. He absorbed the wrath of God that I deserved. This Jesus, he delivered me out of darkness. This Jesus, he rescued me from the slavery to sin. This Jesus, he broke the chains of the devil's bondage. This Jesus is the one who saved my soul. This Jesus is my treasure. Amen? I want him to be the treasure of my life. I want to make him the treasure of my life because of who he is and because of what he has done. Paul uh, says in Colossians chapter 1, verses 14 through 22, here he, Paul could hardly contain himself as he begins to talk about who Jesus is and what he's done. Talking about how he had been delivered from darkness. And then he says in verse 14, he says, In whom, talking about Jesus, in whom we have redemption, we've been redeemed, rescued through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven, that are on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. 
All things, he says, were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. He's the head of the body, the church, who's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father, he goes further, saying, it pleased the Father that in him, Jesus, all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated, that's us, who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you before God holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Amen? That's who Jesus is. That's what he has done. And so we have to ask ourselves, are we anchored to our ways, our life, our tradition, our preferences, or have we abandoned it all for Christ? Because He is the treasure, and we know that He's the treasure because of who He is and because of what He's done. Now, before you answer that question, let's remember what Jeremiah the prophet says in verses seven, chapter 17, verse 9 and 10, where he says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Maybe we're deceiving ourselves, thinking we belong to the Lord, when in reality we do not. In verse 10, he says, I, the Lord, I search the heart, I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. You see, friends, before we answer, if we're anchored to our ways or abandoned to Christ, we need to understand is that the Lord knows your heart. Amen? He knows your heart, and he knows the truth about your heart. So before we answer, we need to know that he already knows the answer himself. And so are we anchored to our ways or abandoned to Christ? And then secondly, are we away or authentic? And we'll flesh those out as well. The first one being, are we away from the Lord? Are we away from the Lord? This is the evil heart. This is the Pharisee heart. This is the heart that I would call a hypocrite heart. The heart that is, is not authentic. It's the heart that's dead. It's corrupt. And so we see in chapter 15, verse 7 and 8, it says, Jesus said, Hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Well, how can that be? These are the religious leaders. Friends, the religious leaders may be religious, but they were not in a relationship with Jesus Christ. They did not have a relationship with God. They, were, they had a relationship with their religion. Amen? They had a relationship with their rituals. They didn't have a relationship with the Lord. They were going after themselves. That was the treasure of their heart. And Jesus, knowing that, he says to them in this passage of Scripture, he's telling them what Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 29. Isaiah was telling the same thing to the children of Israel when the prophet is pointing out Israel's spiritual blindness. He says they were not heeding the warnings of God, that their worship was empty, their worship was dull, and their worship was meaningless, just like the Pharisees here that Jesus is addressing. And I'm afraid that too often that we're guilty of that as well, and that our worship is meaningless. It's dull, it's empty. Now, these Pharisees, everything may have seemed like everything was okay as they were following all of their religious activities, but looks were deceiving, and they were far from the Lord. Friends, I just have to wonder how many times that we go through the motions, and we think that we're okay because we've checked off, okay, I prayed for 15 minutes this morning, okay, I read a couple verses, click, I did the Bible app, and I got my main verse for the day, okay, I'm good there, okay, I'm going to church this week, got, check that box off, I am good to go, right? Just going through the motions, everything looks good to the people around you, but something's missing, it's in the heart, looks were deceiving, They were far from the Lord. Listen, friends. God's desire for us is to be close to Him, not close to our meaningless worship, not close 
to our rituals, not close to our preferences, not close to our traditions, but to be close to the Lord. Our meaningless worship comes when we are full of self, when we're full of self-centeredness and self-righteousness and a pride in, about who we are. And our sin is that we are self-oriented. It's all about us. That's the hypocrite heart. It's, it's not uh, an authentic heart. It's away from the Lord. And know that the Lord knows the heart. Even though we may think everything's okay, we need to ask ourselves these questions, okay? We need to say, okay, am I just going through the motions? Am I just going through the routines? Am I, am I away from the Lord and pretending to be something that I am not? Listen, friends, to be away from the Lord and to be apart from a new heart, there's a death sentence that comes with that because there is no real life and pretending to be something that you are not. Amen? There's no real life in that. Are you away from the Lord? Do you have that evil heart that's away from Him that may have the appearance that everything is okay, but in the heart it's missing because the preference and the treasure is not the Lord, but the preference is you, what you want, your comfort, your life, your way. Or is it an authentic heart? That's the second thing, the letter B here. Your heart, if it's an authentic heart, it's not a hypocrite heart. It's a holy heart. It's a heart that has the treasure of Jesus dwelling within. Jesus is the treasure of the heart. It's an authentic heart. It's, all, it's a heart that is alive. It's a heart that's given over to Jesus. And get this, it's a heart that's given over completely to Jesus. You're not holding something back from him. He's got all of your heart. Everything about you is, belongs to Jesus. Everything is filtered through Jesus. Does he have all of your heart? You see, the Lord is not interested in a piece of your heart. The Lord is not interested in a part of your heart. The Lord is not even, listen, he's not even interested in 99.9% of your heart. He wants 100% of your heart. All of it, every aspect of it, nothing should be kept back from the Lord. In the Scripture, we find it talks about, about all the heart. Just in a few passages of Scripture, we find in Joel chapter 2, verse 12, it says, "Turn." To, the Lord says, turn to me with all your heart. In Jeremiah 29, 13, he says, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. In Deuteronomy 6, 5 and Matthew twenty two thirty seven, 37, we find Jesus says, love the Lord with what? All your heart. In Proverbs 3, 5, you know that passage of scripture it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. In Psalm 86, verse 12, it says, I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart. In 1 Samuel 12, 24, it says, to fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. And in Zephaniah, it tells us that those who belong to the Lord are to be glad and rejoice with all your heart. You see, friends, the authentic heart is one where he has all your heart. And you are near him and not away from him. To be near him is to have a holy heart because he is in your heart. He is the treasure of your heart. Following him is that treasure. You're away from him. It's a hypocrite heart. You see, friends, listen. Our salvation is more than just having a sense of forgiveness. Our salvation is more than just the assurance that we will not spend eternity in hell. Our salvation brings us near to God. Apart from Jesus Christ, we are apart from God. We're separated from Him, but we were made to desire to be near Him and to worship Him and to serve Him and to follow Him, to be satisfied in Him. That's how God made us. And apart from Jesus Christ, there is not, we don't have that. 
So we will enjoy, since this salvation brings us near to God, so that we will enjoy being in his presence and worship him now and forever. Amen? We're going to be with him forever, but it doesn't start when we die. It starts now when we accept Christ as Lord and Savior. We're going to enjoy him and be in his presence and find that he is our satisfaction, that he is what we are longing for. Apart from him, life is empty, but with him, we are near him. In Ephesians 2.12, it tells us this, that before Christ, at that time, you were without Christ, strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. And in the next verse, Ephesians 2.13, it says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been what? Brought near by the blood of Christ. We are now near our God because of what Jesus has done on the cross. And so we're not away from him. The evil heart is away from the Lord, but the good heart is one that's an authentic heart where he is near. He is the Lord of our lives. He, we, he, we walk with him and talk with him. He guides us. He directs us. He's the Lord of our lives. And so, friends, here's the question. What is the treasury, what's in the treasury of your heart? Is it your tradition? Is it your pride? Is it your life? Is it your ways? Is it your preference? Is it your ego? Is it yourself? Or is in the treasury of your heart Jesus? Isn't that so much simpler? Jesus. To be the treasure of your heart. He's in the treasury of your heart. Are you anchored to your ways or abandoned to Christ, away from the Lord, are authentic. And then thirdly, we find this. There is an assessment. There is an assessment. In chapter 12, verse 33, we see that there is an assessment. Jesus says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. That's in the present tense. A tree is known by its fruit. So an assessment is being made. Friends, you need to understand that when people see you, an assessment is being made. When your family sees you, an assessment is being made. And hopefully each of us are to be doing an assessment in our own life, but you certainly need to understand that God is constantly doing an assessment of us as well. It tells us in chapter 12 how we're going to be held accountable for every word that comes out of our mouths. An assessment is being made. And then in verse, chapter 15, verses 18 and 19, it tells us this, But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, they defile a man. For out of the heart, watch this, for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, and blasphemies. So from the heart, this evil heart that he's talking about here, comes evil thoughts and evil actions and evil words. And so the flip side of that is that also, as Jesus said in, in the, rather in, 1234, he says, how can you, being evil, to the Pharisees, how can you, being evil, speak good things? Because out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. And so if your mouth is evil, then evil is going to come out of your mouth. James said, if you remember back in James chapter 3, he, he basically flipped that and he said, if you, how does he put it? He says, how can you who are good speak evil things? So how can you who are good, who has Jesus as your treasure, how can you speak evil things? Both bitter and sweet shouldn't come out of the same spring, remember? If we belong to Jesus, what's coming out of our mouths? What are the actions that are happening? What's coming out of the treasure of your heart? Is it the old life, the old heart, the heart of death, the heart that still belongs to the devil, the corrupt heart? If that's the case, then the words that are going to come out of your mouth and the way in which they come out of their mouth, they're going to be corrupt. They're going to be slanderous. They're going to be secrets, whisperings, conflict, bitterness, anger, lying, and deceit. But if it's out of the good of your heart, the good treasure of your heart, then it's going to be words that look like the treasure of your heart. The treasure of your heart is Jesus. So if you, the heart is good, where Jesus is, then your words will be filled with the aroma of Christ. Amen? There'll be gracious words, words that build up and not tear down. 
Words of life, of love for the Lord and love for other people. Words that are kind. Words that are tenderhearted. Words that are compassionate. Words that are forgiving. That are seasoned. If you remember, they're seasoned with the sweet that look like Jesus. And salt that points to Jesus. They're guarded words. They're true words. The words that point to the truth who is Jesus. Yesterday, Angie and I went down to Yorktown and had a day trip. Drove down, came back same day. We'd never been on the river walk. We walked down through there. Had a great time. Um, ate in one of the little restaurants there right on the water and did not have pie, but had a lot of good food though while we were there. Great time just enjoying the beauty of the day, the beautiful weather. Getting ready to leave. We were walking out of, I believe there was an ice cream shop, but we won't talk about that. That's another sermon for another day. We turned the corner. We're headed back to where the car was parked. And in the crosswalk, crosswalk there, there was a man and maybe his girlfriend who were crossing over and another fellow who drove across and sort of cut them off and didn't let them cross. And they began to be cross with each other. And they were using language that was vulgar, that was a foul mouth, an angry tone. And, of course, God gave me common sense, and we just kept right on walking and kept on moving. And, but you could still hear them as we'd gotten quite a few steps away. And I said to Angie as we got down the sidewalk a ways, I said, they just need Jesus. They just need Jesus. You know, I began to think about that a little bit. The Lord began to work that up in my brain a little bit. And I had to wonder. I wonder if anyone has ever overheard my conversation and said to someone, he just needs Jesus. I wonder about that in your life, friend. Maybe they've heard you having a conversation with someone. They don't know you from the next guy, but they hear what you're saying and how you're saying it. And they say, you know what? He or she just needs Jesus. I pray that's never said about us because I pray that we already have Jesus in our lives and that which is coming out of our mouths sounds like Jesus. Amen? Where are you today, my friends? Listen. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Matthew 12, 34. I found it interesting when I was looking up some scriptures this week. Do you know what Luke 12, 34 says? Matthew 12, 34 says, For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. But Luke 12, 34 says, For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So if you pair that up, for where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And then Matthew 12, 34, For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. So the question is, where is your treasure? What is your treasure? Because wherever your treasure is, whatever it is that you're treasuring, that's where your heart will be. And as your heart is, that's from out of the abundance of your heart, then your mouth speaks. So what is in the treasury of your heart? What's the treasure in your heart? Pastor, I tell you what, I've heard what you've had to say today, and I don't want that kind of heart. I don't want an evil heart. I don't want to hurt the people around me. I don't want my words to sound like Jesus. I don't want my actions to not sound like Jesus. I don't want to be that doesn't look like Jesus. I don't want that pharisaical, hypocritical. I don't want the evil, wicked heart. I want a new heart. I want a heart that sounds like Jesus, that looks like Jesus. I want Jesus to be in my life. I want him to be the treasure. How do I get Jesus to be in the treasure of my heart? Well, friends, you can't put him in your heart. As a matter of fact, what needs to happen is you need to get a new heart. Amen? Brother Luke shared with me a video he came across this week, and I want to share that with you. It's a little fella getting ready to get a new heart. Let's take a look. So, I was talking to the doctors a few minutes ago. What? And they said that, you know how they've been looking for a heart for a long time? Yes. I think they found one. I think they found one and it might be perfect for you. 
What do you think? They found one. Yeah, they did. <laughs> what do you think? Good. When am I gonna get it? Maybe, maybe this afternoon or tonight. Maybe later today. Is that good? Like I can go home tomorrow. Not tomorrow, but but soon after. Are, are they gonna find a good spot to put it? Where do you think they're gonna put it? Right here. Right there, and where your heart is. Yeah. They're gonna give you anesthesia before they do anything. So even if you need an IV, you're not gonna remember it. You're not gonna feel it. What's anesthesia? Remember, anesthesia makes you forget things. Does it make you sleepy? Yeah. Does it make you fall asleep? Um, yeah, it's a special kind of sleep though where you don't feel anything and you don't remember anything. Means I don't remember when we played baseball anymore. Well, you no, remember, you'll, you'll remember, you remember things baseball. after you once just, you wake up. Are you scared? Yeah. Are you excited too? Yeah. You know, mommy and daddy will be here with you the whole time, okay? Okay. We love you so much. When you look at that little fellow, everything seemed to be okay if you didn't know the story, right? He looked fine, but there were some indicators that he needed something to be done. He needed a new heart. One is he was anchored to an IV. One is he was away from home. He was in the hospital. And the other was that apparently an assessment had been made of his life because there were some things that were being seen in him that was indicating that something was wrong with his heart. And so a doctor looked within him and could see that there was a heart there that was diseased that could not continue and needed to be replaced with a new heart. Friends, what we need to understand is that King Jesus sees your heart and my heart. And he knows that in us is a diseased heart, diseased from the sickness called sin. And we cannot keep that heart to be right with him. We need a new heart. And the only way that this young fellow was able to get a new heart is that somebody had to die to get a heart. And for those of us who are believers, somebody had to die for us to have a new heart. And his name is Jesus. Amen? His name is Jesus. And he came to die so that we could have a new heart. Do you have the heart of Jesus? Do you have him as the treasure of your heart? Does he have all of your heart? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. From the abundance of the heart, we see our actions, we, our thoughts come, and we speak. So I just have one thing for you to do today. Just one. That is assess your own heart. Do you need this new heart? Do you need this new heart that only Jesus can give to you? If you need that new heart, you must call out to Jesus, believing with all of your heart that Jesus is the one who died on the cross for you and rose again bodily from the grave. You acknowledge that you're a sinner in need of a Savior, turning from that sin, saying, I'm sorry for my sin, and turning to Jesus Christ, who's willing to give you a new heart today. You embrace and believe that with all of your heart that Jesus is who he says he is, God's son who died on the cross for you, who rose again bodily from the grave and profess him as the Lord and Savior of your life. It's a step of faith that you can take and that you must take to have a new heart, the new heart of Jesus. And if you're here today and you already have that new heart, Jesus is already the treasure of your heart. Let me ask you a question. Does he have all your heart? Have you surrendered everything to him? 
Have you abandoned everything for the cause of Christ, for Him, to follow Him, to be His servant? What's coming out of your mouth? How are you speaking things? If He's the the treasure of your heart, friends, maybe we need to draw near to Him. And I'd be willing to guess that all of us here would agree that we're not as close as we need to be with Jesus. Amen? We need to be near to the Lord. So let us make that commitment today. Lord, I want to be nearer to you today. And each day I want to draw nearer and draw nearer and draw nearer. And I want the treasure of my heart to consistently and constantly be you, Lord Jesus, so that when people see me and when people hear me, there's never going to be a question if I need Jesus or not because I'm going to have Jesus written all over my life. Amen? Jesus written over every word that I speak and how I speak it. Over all my actions, I want to be the aroma of Christ. Where's your heart? Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would help us today as we have these indicators on the inside. Indicators, Lord, where you have assessed us, where we need to assess ourselves. Be the people of God that you want us to be, Lord, so that our hearts would have the treasure of Jesus. Lord, and we're drawing near to you day in and day out seeking for you to have complete control over us and in us, having us surrendered everything to you, completely abandon our life, our comfort, our preferences, our ways, our rituals, our religion, our tradition, that we could just have Jesus. There is no greater name than Jesus. There is no greater joy than Jesus. There is no greater satisfaction than Jesus. Lord, you are what our hearts are longing for every day. Longing to worship you. Longing to be near you. And so, Lord, be with us now in this invitation. If there are those who don't know you, you draw them near by the blood of the cross of Jesus and give their hearts to you in complete surrender. And say, yes, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. And for those of us, Lord, who do know you, to be reminded this morning that as we come to this invitation, Lord, how we want to be near you and want you to be the overflow of our hearts and of our lives. So, Lord, I pray that we would find ourselves surrendering to you afresh and anew today, recommitting our hearts and our lives to you, that we'd be the people of God who think like you, who act like you, and who sound like you. May you have your way in our hearts and lives now as we sing together. In Jesus' name we pray.